Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Welcome to The How of Business with Henry Lopez and David Begin, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. My guest today is Zach Bartell. Zach, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Henry. Thanks for having me. Good to have you with us today. Uh, We're going to learn about how Zach launched and grew his small business, including some of the challenges that he's had early on and how he's faced that, overcome it, and achieved some success in his small business. If you want to receive more information about the Howa business, including links to the show notes page for this episode, just text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 31996. So Zach Bartell is a small business owner, and he started his first business, SoCal Powerlifting, in 2017 at the age of 20. Uh, As he will share with us during this conversation today, he's He's been able to turn his passion into a business, something that a lot of us wish we could do. So we're going to figure out how he's able to do that. He had to start small. He had to fight through some early challenges, but he has stayed focused and determined as part of his personality from what I've gathered in the research. And his gym business now serves over 147 private clients with a team of five coaches. Zach lives in the Irvine, California area. Once again, Zach Bartell, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Henry. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of sharing my story and, and hopefully uh, some of the stuff I say can, can be some good takeaways for some other entrepreneurs looking to either, you know, scale their business or, you know, ditch the nine to five and, and chase a passion. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, it's always inspirational and especially since you've done it so young, you know, so many of us, me yeah. included, didn't do it until later. That is business ownership, that is for all kinds of the different reasons and excuses that we give ourselves. So it's always yeah. inspirational to me to talk to a young entrepreneur. Yeah, I definitely think, um, you know, the, the whole young thing plays a plays a really cool role in what I've been able to do. And so I definitely feel um, it, it's, it's, you know, it's actually, it's actually helped me a lot with, with a lot of my decision making um, and being young um, and knowing that I have so much time ahead of me to, you know, make decisions, fail, you know, get back up, do it again. So I'm, I'm excited to share. Absolutely. So let's kind of go through this a little chronologically. You played sports in high school, then you studied kinesiology and exercise science in college. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So I uh, I was a football kid in high school. I was actually overweight growing up, uh, which kind of adds a little twist there. But I, I grew up overweight, and it wasn't until I was kind of 16 that you know I found the weight room. You know, I was playing football, but uh, wasn't ever really in shape. I just did it because that's what you did when you were a big kid and you live in you know the United States. So uh, uh, joined football, found the weight room, fell in love with it, and just decided to kind of take it all the way. Ultimately, I, I ended up like losing 60 pounds, gaining you know good amount of muscle mass, and um, really fell in love with with powerlifting uh, and decided that after uh, high school football ended, I wanted to continue to compete in something. And that's where powerlifting kind of uh, found its way into my life. And I started competing in that in 2014. And I actually ultimately graduated high school in 2015. Okay. Um, yeah. And so when you were studying in college kinesiology, exercise science, what, what was the goal at that point? What did you think you wanted to do with that education? 
Yeah. So I, I had a good idea that I wanted to uh, coach, be a strength conditioning coach, maybe for a football team at a collegiate level or something like that. But honestly, I really didn't know. Um, I thought maybe powerlifting is what I would do, powerlifting coaching. Um, but I also, there wasn't really a, uh, there wasn't really a powerlifting coach job. It's not just like a thing you do where, you know, you finish this degree and then, oh, there's a powerlifting coaching position here. Right. It's right. not a thing. Right. And so yeah. that's where, uh, I really didn't know. And until I sort of just kind of started doing it on my own. Mm -hmm. So that is that why out of college, you went into various sales and marketing positions as you were kind of figuring out what to do? Yeah. So I actually, um, you know, all through, through college, I was, um, I was working at another gym, uh, and I was doing, I was working for another coach, uh, doing his back end, and, and so I was helping with all the billing, the emails, the sales and, and the social media stuff. I was working at the, at that other gym, working the front desk, doing fulfilling orders, just, you know, everything from operations to marketing and sales. I just like to stay busy. And so I was just constantly staying busy because, you know, school for me, it was great. I'm not, I'm not a super studious person though. I've always been kind of a B, B student. Right. Um, but I needed more stimulus than that. And so I was always finding other opportunities where I could get my feet wet, get on the floor, get in the field and, and really, uh, do some of that groundwork. Um, and, uh, you know, that's kind of where I, where I really started falling in love with, with powerlifting was seeing that this, this could be a real thing. This could be a real job, a business. Uh, and I didn't know, you know, I didn't really think I wanted to open a gym or anything like that, but I definitely saw opportunity there. Mm -hmm. So you started SoCal powerlifting. We'll talk about that here in a moment in 2017 yeah. when you were 20. Yep. So did, were you doing it while you were still in college? Did yeah. you not finish college? Tell me about that. Cause the timing I'm still trying to figure out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, the timeline, there's a lot of over lap there. Right. So I actually, so I opened it when I was going into my junior year of college as a Cal State Fullerton, which if you're a kinesiology person, um, you've probably heard of it. Really, really good school in, in Orange County in California. Um, and it really started to kind of take off from there, right? It was enough to where I could still go to school full time, uh, but, you know, work at the gym. And my my time was was very like, I was packed. My schedule was packed for sure. Yeah, and then imagine. ultimately what happened was is my second semester of my junior year is when the grades started to slip, when the business mm. really started to take off a little bit more. You know, we started, get, you know, we, we started with 15 clients, go 20, 30, 40, started getting that 50 client realm um, is when the grades started to slip, started failing school. And I was kind of left with that decision, right? Of, okay, well, do I continue to do school and take a step back of the business? Or do I capture this opportunity while I have this momentum and go for it? And that's ultimately what I did now where the twist comes in is I actually ended up transferring um, to another school called uh, it's Cal Baptist University. They're in Riverside, which is also fairly local, but um, mm -hmm. it's, they had an online kinesiology program that I was able to continue um, still full time speed, but on my own time because it's online. And I actually, at this moment, I have one class left, six weeks left and I finished. Wow, so um, I've, I've been going at it since and yeah. it's been something uh, that's been really hard to stay focused and motivated. Oh, because, I can imagine. You know, you've, I've already got so much going on, but it's something that I, I like to start or I like to finish what I start. Right. And so. I, so is that to, why you didn't give it up? Is that that your personality? Yeah. You felt like that was. Yeah. You gave up on. Yeah, you know, it is. And and I'll be honest, both my parents were, were college grads. It was sort of mm -hmm. an expectation growing sure, up sure, that I would sure. do the same. And I definitely uh, gave them their fair share of uh, stress <laughs> and sleepless nights, you know, because I, I definitely mulled over dropping out multiple times. I mean. Um, it's definitely gone through my head. It's definitely, it, you know, I've, I've emailed my counselor back and forth asking her advice and things like that, but ultimately uh, stuck with it, saw it through. And, you know, looking back, I can say I don't regret that at all. Yeah, that's fantastic. Okay. So in 2017, let's start talking about launching yep. SoCal powerlifting. Yeah. 
from now before that you had started to build a clientele where mm -hmm. you were doing uh you know fitness training at yep. somebody else's gym right yes correct so how, how many clients more or less if you recall you had back then before you started socal yeah, the way I structured it was, um, you know, first of all, it wasn't like it, there was no structure. Ultimately, the, my first client I got, I, I went up to him. His name was Ron, and uh, we're still good friends this day. And I, I said, hey, hey, Ron, I want to, I want to coach you in powerlifting. He's like, okay, you know, sure. And I, I uh, eventually offered him to coach him and write his programming for powerlifting for thirty dollars a month, and that's how we started. Um, and and so I started. What I did was uh, I had a group that I would train in the evenings that I think was roughly ten to fifteen people, and I did that for about a year. Uh, before ultimately uh, so from day one you went to a membership model which is very interesting yeah I wanted the reoccurring revenue I think reoccurring revenue and we'll get into this I'm sure but reoccurring revenue is is the most important thing for a lot of fitness businesses brick and mortars um, so I, I I saw that from the get-go and that's my experience too with helping other online coaches in you know that I had helped in the past was all, all of them ran their business on reoccurring monthly payments for monthly programming so that's yeah. how I so if I would have wanted to hire you as a coach, uh, even now or back then, yep, you would not have typically done a one-on-one -on -one session. You would have sold me on a program and a membership, yeah. right? Yeah, and definitely. I mean, obviously, looking back, there's things I would have changed, but you know, who? Yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty. So yeah, it was always it was monthly subscription based. Yeah, no, that's great. That's fantastic. Yep. Uh, that's often something. I think people have you found as you talk to young coaches that they think, well, I'm not there. I'm not at that level. I'm, I don't have, I can't offer that yet. Cause I, I, I don't deserve that. Or I don't have the value. Do you sense that hesitancy or do you think that younger people in particular, mm -hmm. this is the environment they've grown up with, with a more membership model? Yeah. In, uh, in this niche, which is powerlifting, I think it's definitely more subscription based, uh, where, where I, in personal training and things like that, it's definitely more packages. So mm -hmm. you're going to be, you know, $400 for X amount of training sessions, whatever it is. Right? right. Um, where I've really seen people struggle is their organization and structure of how they do it. Um, because powerlifting coaching isn't necessarily like a, a straightforward job. Like it, you know, there's not a job description for a powerlifting coach. It's what you make it. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that, you know, and with anything they you know, they use Venmo or they use like, they don't have a business PayPal profile, like, mm -hmm. and there's no organization to it or contracts or agreements. And that's where I've tried to help some other people is you really do need systems in place. If, if you want to kind of grow this thing and be professional. How did you know that early on? Where did you learn that, that you needed or did you learn the hard way? So, um, I definitely, I learned, uh, working for my coach at the time it was Max Ada. Uh, and he, we, I helped him build his kind of online coaching business and I saw how it kind of worked. We, and we didn't necessarily have, um, there was definitely things like we didn't have like structures of agreements and things, but we always had that reoccurring PayPal billing is how we did everything. It was a business profile. Uh, and so I learned, I learned very early on that if you want to grow to scale, you need to have the systems in place, no matter if you have 10 clients or hundred clients. It really needs to be, it's all systems oriented. Right now, uh, just to skip ahead a little bit, what, yep. what's, what would you say is your mission critical system or tool yeah. that, that underlines all of this? Yeah. Well, 
you know, the biggest thing I think uh, with with entrepreneurship and especially in the fitness category and where I'm at with powerlifting is, um, yeah, it's the organization of obviously you need your billing, you need your agreements. Um, mm-hmm. And from there, if you want to, you know, te- if you ultimately want to teach other people and have staff and have other people, you know, uh, run with you in your business, um, you have to be able to teach that. And there has to be some some parameters there. It can't just be, okay, hey, welcome to SoCal Powerlifting. You can coach now, do your thing. It has to be uh, – uh, you know, systems oriented. So I don't know if there's one necessarily system. Um, we use an app called True Coach for all of our coaching and stuff. That's really, really cool. That okay. keeps everything organized. Um, so that's your CRM, if you will, that keeps track of not just their membership, but where they are in the progress. So yeah, we, we have different systems. So we use Zen Planner for our POS system. And then for the True Coach, that's all training based. So that's progress, that's programming, that's even video review of lifts uh, so that the coach can can communicate with the client um, you know, on a more one-to-one level. So yeah, that's mm-hmm. what we use for all of the client Okay, all right, stuff. very good, very good. Yeah. All right, let's go back though. Yep. What, what led you then to say, I'm ready to start my own business yeah. and, and go you know, brick and mortar, go, go yeah. lease the space? What led to that? Yeah. Well, first of all, I'd say someone to be everyone, you know, they'd be lying if they said, Oh, at this moment in time, I knew I was ready because <laughs> I think if you ask anyone, uh, you're never ready. I mean, you really aren't. Um, you just kind of learn as you go. And for me, I was put on a deadline, you know, the gym I was working at and training clients at, uh, the owner, Chad, uh, who's a great friend of mine, ultimately wanted to close and, you know, completely go online with his online coaching business and has since been extremely successful. Um, and so I was kind of put in the situation of, well, I either find another gym where I can train these clients at and we all go there, or I've got this money saved up from all these other jobs. I just buy some of Chad's equipment, you know, and I find a space and I decided, uh, that that was what I was going to do. And actually at the time, um, I started with, with two other partners. Uh, and then, um, we, we, we had kind of pulled some, some money together, found a space uh, and, and uh, a few months later, our visions kind of differed and we negotiated kind of a, a settlement. I, I took over full time as the, as the lead there. Okay. So yeah. did, did, did those two other partners have any business experience? Yeah. So one of them, um, ran a, uh, kind of a clothing company in the, in the fitness space. And the other one had, uh, not necessarily business experience, but operations experience and was also kind of a powerlifter, knew the, knew the, uh, kind of how the culture worked and stuff like that. So at the time it definitely seemed like a, uh, a good partnership. And also at the time, look, I'm this 20 year old kid, right? Like I didn't know what I was, you know, I didn't think I knew what I, I know what I was doing. So I felt as though I needed uh, other people to kind of help guide me. Both of them were older than me. And I felt uh, that their roles were going to be kind of integral when, and later on, I just kind of realized that this was something I could do on my own. So if you, if you were to go back and do it again, yeah. you don't think you would have sought that partnership with someone who had some experience? You know, it's tough, right? Uh, because I, I'm a big believer in everything kind of happens for a reason. But um, yeah, I, I definitely think I could have done it on my own. In fact, my mentors at the time, uh, uh, Max and Chad, both told me I should do this on my own. And I, I didn't listen because I wasn't, I, you know, I wasn't quote unquote ready, right? I didn't feel like I was ready to run this thing on my own. And, you know, even the people you talk to um, and, and all the, I'm sure the listeners kind of feel the same way if, if uh, they're starting their own thing or, or talking about an idea is people will, people will make you feel 
you know, they'll, they'll be little it a little bit. They, you know, they'll be like, are you sure this is, you know, this is kind of crazy or who, who were you, risky, but you were right? getting that from people who don't, didn't have a business. Is that, yeah, true? I was, I mean, honestly, I was getting that from people who were close to me. And so I, I didn't, I was worried that if I did this on my own, that I wouldn't have enough time or I wouldn't be able to finish school or these other, all these other variables at play. Yeah. Did that include your parents? It did. Yeah, it did. Uh, you know, both of them were extremely successful corporate people. Uh, and so I think they, uh, and they're built to be great employees and, um, but, uh, so yeah, they, it was definitely different than what their kind of upbringing was like. Plus, uh, my mom's dad, my grandfather, uh, he was an entrepreneur, but, uh, he actually, uh, didn't do very well with a lot of different business ideas. So I think she had some PTSD there of, you know, dad <laughs> going bankrupt on a few things. So, uh, that, that definitely played a role for sure. Yeah. It seemed for them, it was high risk, a very yes. high risk thing to do. Yeah, correct. Um, so, all right. So you get started that the money came from money you had saved or did mm -hmm. partners put in money as well? So we all put in, um, a, the same investment at the time. Um, and I definitely had a little bit more of the financial backing, uh, in, in the sense of like, I had saved a lot more, uh, just because I, when I was in school, I was really working for jobs, uh, and just always working, always staying busy doing schoolwork. And so I had been really smart, uh, financially and just made, you know, really good decisions up until that point. But we all did pool our, our finances together a bit, ended up buying equipment um, and kind of going from there. Yeah. And, and it, did I get it right in the research that the guy you bought the equipment for extended you some, some lending on that? Is that right? Uh, he, so we, yeah, we set up a payment plan with zero interest. Um, and you know that you're not going to find that no, that's a huge else. break. But yeah. I mean, if you yeah. look for those breaks I have found, yeah. they're out there sometimes. Oh, yeah. They're out there, especially uh, – and the guy that lent it was the gym owner, Chad, who owned Juggernaut Training Systems. And he, uh, like I said, great friend of mine, great mentor. He believed in me. And that was his yeah. way of saying, hey, I believe in you. Yeah. So your personal finances sound like, for especially for as young as you were, mm -hmm. were in pretty darn good place for your age. Is that mm -hmm. fair? Yeah. I mean, I was just taught to work from a very young age. I mean, my mom made me get a job when I was 16. I started working as a nutri shop sales assistant and, and selling there. And I, that's when I realized I could be a good salesman. Uh, and I started kind of saving from that, at that point on. Yeah. Why did, why were you such a good saver though? Because usually it's one thing to be taught mm -hmm. to work yeah. and the value yeah. of money, but at that age, man, I know at that mm -hmm. age I had not a nickel to my name saved. Yeah. Why I is think that? I think it, you know, it's funny. Um, and I've, I've reflected on that a lot, but I think, uh, my parents did a really good job of teaching me that. I mean, I had a savings account when I was eight years old, uh, pretty much as, as, as long as I can remember and, you know, doing lemonade stands and s saving money. And just, I was always taught to save from a very early age. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that's a great, one of the many things you owe them, right? Is for yep. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. That's one of the biggest barriers I find when I talk to people who would like to start a business is they yeah. just are not in the financial position to take on that additional risk and challenge. Yeah. yeah I mean, it saved me a ton and, and, you know, we, we're not in any debt as a business. I'm not in any personal debt. So I'm, I'm extremely grateful for that. That's fantastic. So you had to go find a space. It's a warehouse space. So a little less, expensive and risky mm -hmm. than a retail, you know, a retail a space. Did that make it easier to find a space and especially somebody who would lease to you without having yeah. a background? How, tell me about that a little bit. Yeah. So it was extremely bootstrap. Uh, I actually, so we ended up finding a space uh, that was in Newport beach. Um, and so it was already another gym and the gym mm. owners at the time had this adjacent warehouse that they, um, that they ultimately weren't using, but they needed it because it gave them more parking. Uh -huh. And so we came with the idea say, Hey, we'll fill this space. 
we'll do a um, a profit share with you, you know, over a flat rent just because we're starting out. And they were extremely lenient. And it, again, one of those things, just incredibly lucky. And at that point in their business, they could they could use the extra cash as well. Uh, and so we set up a profit share that actually went in their favor. We were paying them more than we were, you know, making at the time, as far as like the share was like 60, 40, I think and 60% them. Uh, and that was actually a total revenue share, not even profit. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then, so they, they let us lease a space. Ultimately, I believe it was six months down the road. I restructured that agreement as we started to kind of take off a little bit more. And, um, and then we, we set up more of a flat rate deal. Mm -hmm. But that's another great opportunity. So yeah. for them, it was complimentary to the yep. gym that they ran, obviously. Yeah, it was mutually beneficial for sure. Yeah, yeah. And it was yeah. a great opportunity to get in somewhere in a space. For, um, and yeah, I'm assuming, risk, that, yeah. did you benefit from some of their clients potentially coming over for your services or was there any of that going on? That definitely gets a little dicey. Um, they were more of a weightlifting. So Olympic weightlifting, snatch, cleaner type of gym and a group fitness kind of training place, like a CrossFit gym, um, which people are probably familiar with, but, um, mm -hmm. and we were more powerlifting based. So we didn't have anyone crossover, which is good because I didn't want that. Right. I didn't yeah, want to cause any bad blood or right. there was definitely some issues of some clients of theirs using some of our equipment sometimes and taking space from our own clients. But you know, it's, that's where it got a little bit like we didn't want to step on too many toes because I'd have some clients go into their space and use some of their stuff. So it was, it definitely had its pros and cons for sure. I'd say definitely more pros than cons. Yeah. Um, but having them there and also my ability to observe how they ran their business um, and our successful gym business allowed me to make some even better decisions and actually structure my business um, very similar to the way they structured theirs. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Great exposure. Yeah. Now you're no longer at that location. Yeah, correct. So tell us about that. And then I think you had some challenges later. Yeah. Yes. Out. Yeah. So at this point we were there, um, we were there for about, let's see, 2017 all the way up until, uh, yeah, 2019, uh, spring 2019, April. Uh, and, um, ultimately what, what was happening was we were, we were growing really fast. I mean, we were growing very, very steadily. Our growth was extremely linear. Um, and it was getting to the point where one, we were getting noise complaints from the property manager, um, and then two, we were taking up too much parking. And so ultimately what happened was, uh, because it was a sublease, the property manager, you know, told the other gym owners, Hey, like this, she thought I was just like a trainer there. I mean, it was hard to define myself as sure, owner, even though sure. I was, you know, but, uh, ultimately she, she gave them a, you know, kind of a final, Hey, look, th this trainer needs to be out or whatever. Uh, by, I think it was like April 1st. Um, and also, and, uh, so they kind of said, Hey, look, you guys got to be out by April 1st. And at that time I already knew I was going to move. Uh, we were looking at spaces. Our, our sublease was going to be up in May. Um, but that put, gave me kind of a, a month, uh, less to figure it out. And what happened was I had found this space that was very close to where we were at, uh, almost pretty much across the street, um, hmm. big space. The rent was going to be pretty high, but it was a really nice space, and I was super stoked about it. And ultimately, what happened was uh, the we had signed our we didn't sign the agreements, we had signed our proposals, um, and then someone came in and gave them a better deal where they wanted to take over more units and stuff, and they just said, "Sorry, not going to work out." And that was like two weeks before oh we were set goodness. for that April date, and so I uh, had to scramble, and um, that was that was extremely stressful. I mean, I was on I was on 
Trulia and I was on all the commercial real estate pages. Like Did you, work with I, a, you didn't work with a broker? I, so I started working with a broker um, who actually was a family friend, but I was still doing my own searching, right? Because I'm the type of guy I can't sit on my hands. Okay. I have to feel like I'm doing something and, you know, whether that's just movement uh, in some direction, but I have to feel like I'm actually like, you know, working towards something. So oh, and that challenge is a broker, you're not their only yep. client. So they're not Correct, as yeah. fast and, as you want them to, right? Yeah. So usually what would happen is I would see a good space. I'd send it to him. He'd reach mm -hmm. out and we'd, you know, set up a tour. So we ultimately found the space we're in now. Um, and looking back, I mean, I'm so lucky we're in the space we're in now. It's a great area. It's a, you know, it's near all the freeways. It's even a better location. Um, and then there's a bunch of gyms around us. So noise isn't an issue. And the rent was the, the, the space was similar in size, a little bit smaller than what we were looking at before, but the rent was, I mean, almost a dollar a square foot cheaper, wow. uh, and just made a huge difference. I mean, especially where we were at in business, even back last spring, it's just, it's, it definitely allowed us to reinvest a lot more into our staff and into our equipment than just shelling it out for rent. Right. A pretty favorable lease as yeah. far as long term. Yeah. Yeah. We were able to do a five year lease. I mean, even that though, I mean, Oh man, there was three people bidding on that space we moved into uh, and we won the bid. Thank goodness. Uh, but I, I was willing to do whatever it took. I was willing to take the five year. I was willing to uh, take it as is, even though there's things I you know would have preferred. Um, but I just took it as is. I wanted the space so I could sleep at night knowing that my business was going to be a real thing still. Um, because that would have, that would have been a tough story. You know, we, oh, yeah. we, we didn't do well because we were too successful and couldn't find a space to operate. And that would have been difficult to no have doubt. closed doors for a bit. Yeah. This is Henry Lopez taking a quick break from this episode to introduce you to our new sponsor and a must have new product. Sidetrack is an ultra portable USB monitor that attaches to the back of your laptop for a more productive workday, whether you're at home, at the office, in a coffee shop, or on the go. At home, I have a big widescreen monitor, and I'm so used to how productive I am with it that I am nowhere near as productive when I am traveling or working from another location. But now, with my Sidetrack, I can take my widescreen with me. Sidetrack is a portable monitor that just attaches to the back of your laptop. Sidetrack can also mirror your screen and rotate 180 degrees for convenient collaboration, presentations, demos, and more. I use it when I meet with my clients at a coffee shop, for example, so that they can see my presentation, but I can still be on my laptop. The Sidetrack dual screen workstation is super easy to set up and take down. You simply attach the Sidetrack to your laptop, connect the monitor with one cord, and you're ready to start. Sidetrack is offering a 10% discount for our listeners. To learn more, just visit sidetrack.com forward slash discount forward slash how of business. That's S-I-D-E-T-R-A-K.com forward slash discount forward slash how of business. And remember to use the promo code how of business, all one word, how of business to get your discount. You can also just text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 31996 and I will send you the link and the discount code. Any impact that you were able to measure with the move being in a different place, although it was pretty yeah. darn close, uh, you may have had some downtime, any impact on that? 
No, so we had no downtime at all. We actually, and this is actually pretty cool, um, in one day, we, we, so we didn't close one day. So what happened was, I believe we moved on April 15th, and uh, in the morning, we had our, our first location open from, um, I want to say, you know, in the morning to about 10 a.m., then from 10 to 2 all of my coaches and staff, including I hired a moving service, moved the entire gym to the other space, and we were open again in the evening by 6. Now, we were open. It was still a construction zone in oh, the I sense imagine, we were still yeah. drilling everything in, but um, we didn't close once. And so that was something I was extremely proud of and still am, and that, that's a testament to, to the staff for sure yeah. coming in together. So this location, up. has it allowed you better branding, sign up on the exterior, that kind yeah. of thing? Yeah, it's a more, so it's definitely a newer building. They remodeled the entire interior and um, the exterior is really, really nice as well. We've got better signage. Um, we've got, uh, it's, it's in a better location actually. So it's in mm -hmm. Irvine now, um, which I believe looks better for marketing purposes. Um, Irvine is, is a bit more central in Orange County. Um, even though our space wasn't too far away, it was in Newport Beach. And when people think Newport Beach, they think coast, they think even more expensive. Yeah, they think They're, traffic, they yeah. think, you know, all yep. those kind of, they kind of create a mental barrier don't they? Correct. Yeah. And so Irvine has helped us a lot because if you, if you live in Northern Orange County, you could be like, Oh, Irvine, that's mm -hmm. only 20 minutes away. If you live in South right. OC, same thing. So it's right. helped. That makes sense. Are you profitable now? Yeah. And, and actually we, there wasn't, I mean, there wasn't a time when we weren't, I mean, in the beginning, obviously we were reinvesting everything, but we've been profitable. I mean, I'm so lucky, but we've been profitable from the get go. And that includes paying yourself some yeah. kind of a salary. Yeah. So, I mean, um, we, there's, there's some metrics I look at, uh, with, with the gym businesses and kind of where the margins should be. And I pay myself a good salary and then I'm able to, to store away, um, a profit to make, you know, for future investments or whatever we want to kind of do with it. Yeah. I've structured it pretty well. You're a hundred percent owner of the business now. Correct. Yeah. Got it. So you, you said you don't have any debt, so you didn't have to go borrow any money subsequently. Haven't had to do that yet. No, the, um, the only thing, so when I went to kind of make, negotiate that settlement with my partners, I asked my dad, uh, to, to help me. And he gave me, he gave me five grand at the time, uh, to help, uh, negotiate that. And so I was able to use that money to, um, to, to take over there. And that was kind of the only, um, the only time where I, where I took money and that was a gift that wasn't a loan. So I'm extremely grateful for that. And yeah, I hope yeah. one day I'm able to do that, you know, for my kids. I'm assuming they at least get free powerlifting coaching. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. He, he does. He does. He right. does. Okay. That's great. Oh, yeah. That's great. Yeah. And my mom, my mom actually trains a facility. He doesn't Is train there right? just because yeah, he, he's more of a cardio guy, but my mom does work out. I actually set her up with one of my coaches and my sister as well. Uh, and my, one of my coaches, Shelby coaches them. That's wonderful. Yep. That's wonderful. Yep. Right, so, so one of the challenges that you've gone through, which is very common, regardless of age, is going from that solo pr practitioner to now yeah. having a team. Tell me about that yep. transition and how, how you dealt with that initially and, and kind of what you've done to get better at it. Yeah, you know, um, the big, you know, we talked in this earlier, but the biggest thing is building it to scale, building the systems. Um, and so at the end of the day, no one is going to love your business like you do. I mean, it's just, that's facts, right? Um, but I just wanted to always create an environment where people could show up loving what they do every day. And that's, I feel like, you know, we've been able to accomplish that. Uh, what it took was really outlining the way in which I like people to be coached, the way in which I kind of conduct coaching and, and the way I do things and try to duplicate myself uh, as closely as possible. Now, each, you know, each coach has their style, right? But at the end of the day, we're all very on the same page with our philosophies and, and how we coach people. Um, and really what it comes down to is just investing your time 
I'm into training those people, making sure that, you know, they're, they're onboarded properly. They observe you coaching the sessions. They, you know, they are able to answer questions, write programs, have you approve them. So I, I just took my time onboarding people. I knew it wasn't, didn't need to be rushed. Um, and, and from there I was able to kind of have these people come on that wanted to work hard, that want to be a part of it, um, and, and do really well. How do you separate, you know, friendship from employer employee? Are they your employees? Are they subcontractors? I'm yeah. Curious about that. So everyone's contractors just because we don't have set hours really. Right. So as right. far as like legal stuff goes, it's still in the parameters. Um, I will say the friendship part's hard because each of my staff members is someone who I would, each of my contract, there's someone I'd hang out with. I mean, we do a lot of community events, staff team bonding events, like, um, but I think that adds to it because they want to work harder for me for the business because we're close because I care um, versus it just being this transactional, you know, boss type of relationship. Right. But um, any tips I, on how you how you make sure that it's clear in the relationship that is yeah. the business, you're the boss. Yeah, I definitely how you, think how have you done that. You think? Yeah. You know, I think taking that time to to really invest in their in their learning and their experience as, as a boss, as a mentor, as a leader, I try to not just think about the business, but think about how, how we can help them, um, improve in their lives. And so, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things, I think just there's a general understanding of, Hey, when we're in the gym, like we can, we can be friends, we can mess around and, and have a good time. But when it's staff meeting time, we're running over metrics, like that's the relationship. And I have no problem turning on and off that switch of like, Hey, look, mm -hmm. like we're, we're missing this metric here. These are the things that, you know, I, I need you to do here. And, um, they've always been extremely respectful. I haven't had one time where I was been like, Hey, like, you know, I know we're friendly outside the gym or I know we're friendly outside the business, but I really need you to kind of focus in here. Everyone on my, on my team is extremely respectful and kind of understands that relationship. And I think I'm very lucky in that way. So yeah. I, I'd almost want to say I've had it easy just because I've had such great team members. Um, but yeah, I haven't really had to use, you know, discipline anyone or have to worry about any of that stuff ever. Right. Yeah. Why do you think, uh, these are people you've known for some time or not necessarily a mix or tell me mm -hmm. about that. It's a mix. So, um, one of my coaches, I was coaching her for two years before I brought her on as staff and, you know, she showed interest in coaching and I kind of knew this is where she wanted to take it. And, and she, uh, is a really, really good powerlifter, incredible person. And, um, it's just someone who I knew, you know, put in the right role could, could do great. Another coach, uh, he was a gym member for like a year and, uh, studying kinesiology out Cal State Fullerton was actually a classmate of mine a few times. And I, one day I, I actually just asked him, I was like, Hey man, like, what do you want to do? You know, after you graduate and he said, he wanted to go to kind of be a PA student and stuff. And I was like, you ever thought about coaching powerlifting? He's like, no. And I, I actually just talked to him about it and eventually brought him on. He just killed it, man. I mean, um, and yeah, just, and then another guy, uh, one of my other coaches, he, uh, I was looking for other coaches. I hit him up on Instagram because he had done a meet that we host recently. And, um, I asked him if he want, ever wanted to coach powerlifting and if that's something he wanted to do. And he said yes, but he just didn't know how to get into it. So I was like, great, that's where I come in. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I've been, yeah, I've been, you know, really lucky. I even had another client who I'd been coaching for two years reach out to me uh, in May of this this year and wanted an internship. And I was like, well, uh, I've never done an internship before, sure. You know, and so I mm -hmm. outlined a little bit internship stuff and, you know, uh, onboarded him a little bit and just saw him just take it by the reins and just kill it. Now he's working, you know, 20 hours a week, killing it, has, you know, 15, 20 clients and just continues to fire on all cylinders. So I, I can't stress it enough that, you know, the, the team is so important because when you are trying to scale past yourself, the team is the extension of you and your brand and your business. Um, I've been extremely fortunate to work with 
um, some amazing, amazing people and individuals that make SoCal powerlifting what it is. Um, but it is important to really, really go through a kind of a, a little bit lengthier onboarding process to make sure that they're the right fit before you bring them on. Cause you really don't want to rush that process. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as you describe some of these people, you had a relate, you knew them a bit, you know, it's been yes. a bit organic. Yeah. You had a bit of a relationship, right? So yeah. you're not trying to judge who they are exactly in an interview exclusively. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's, that's also been really important knowing kind of who they are past that, you know, just doing an interview and bringing them on. Um, right. I, it helped a lot for sure. Right. All right. So, so we have established that you're young, you're yep. still young. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I'm always curious from your perspective, what have been some of the disadvantages of starting yeah. a business at age 20 and yeah. some of the advantages of that? Yeah. So I, we'll, we'll start with the disadvantages. I mean, you're going to make sacrifices. I mean, whether you're 30, whether you're 20, but when you're 20, I mean, you know, people equate your twenties to like, let's say those, those early twenties to, you know, having fun, finding yourself, partying, like enjoying, you know, I didn't really have that. Unfortunately. I mean, obviously my life wouldn't be where it is today if I didn't make those sacrifices, but I definitely had to do less social stuff. And, and because I was so focused on what I was doing and, and, you know, even miss out on some friendships and relationships, um, because of it. But again, I don't regret a thing there. Why do now, you say you didn't have it much of it to begin with? So, well, in the sense of like, um, I was willing to sacrifice those things for working. I enjoyed work. I wanted to feel like I was doing good, meaningful work. And so I had no problem skipping out on hanging out with friends on the weekends, you know, to work at the gym or to coach a client or to make a sale. I, I enjoyed those things more. And I, you know, that I still do, but I actually live my life now with a lot more balance. I was a lot more black and white, you know, even just three years ago. Um, and then the other thing is too, there's going to be an inherent age bias. I mean, I wouldn't tell people how old I was and they could figure it out on their own. Um, so when I was making those sales and signups when I was 20, it didn't, it wasn't a thing that I advertised. I didn't talk about it on social media. I didn't want people to know right, because I didn't right. want them to, I didn't want them to underestimate my value, um, uh, because of the age, even, sure. you know, and so I, I was very low key about it. And the people who I, you know, sign up clients and they'd eventually ask me, Hey, how old are you, man? And I'd be like 20 or 21 <laughs> or whatever it was like, are you kidding me? Yeah, like, and you don't, and you yeah. don't look super young. I mean, you don't know. Yeah. But you don't, you're not one of those guys that yeah. looks like he's 16 when you're. 20. Yeah. 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 And, and I, I, I a little bit older, I think yeah, probably. Yeah. And I definitely carry myself. I think like I, I am. So exactly. that definitely helped. I think that's uh, and, a big part of it. Don't yeah. you think? Yeah. Oh, most definitely. And a lot of that has to do with all that working experience, sales experience um, from, you know, starting when I was 16. Which is a lot of it, understanding that people are judging you, whether that's right, yeah. wrong, or yeah. different. They're perceiving True. you based on this role or this persona that you put exactly. forth. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Uh, on the advantages side, yeah. what are some of the advantages? You know, and this is one that I've, uh, that I really think can hold true, but, um, because I was young, I had so much time to, to take risks and mess up, you know, because I was 20. Look, if this didn't work out, I had so many years ahead of me to, to pivot, to, to do, try something else, to do something different. It's not like I was, you know, 30, 35 with, you know, kids at home and a wife, things like that. Right. I didn't have any, uh, you know, a lot of extra responsibilities there. Uh, and so I was willing to take those risks because I was young um, and still am young. And so I'm, I was less worried about failing and um, things like that because I had, you know, I was still going to school. I was still figuring it all out. Right. Um, so there's definitely less pressure. 
Um, whereas if I feel like I would have waited and let's say, you know, came out of school and got like a quote unquote normal job, I, there would have been more pressure because then I have bills to pay and things like that versus being a student and kind of, and being younger. Yeah. That makes a lot of yeah. sense. I mean, well, well said. And yeah. I think the other thing is that when you're young, you don't know what you don't know. Sometimes when we get older, we yeah. have all this knowledge, whether it's right or wrong, that yep. makes us overthink things, right? Yeah. And it allowed me to be a sponge and just soak things up, not really have uh, an ego about it because I hadn't done anything relative you know, to, to the business stuff before. So I was willing to learn from anyone and everyone, whether that was someone who, you know, they're giving good advice or someone who wasn't, but I was able to kind of really learn from people and, um, and not have to worry about um, uh, really like just having, having that ego come into play. Yeah. To that end, when somebody asks you now, Hey, I want to start a business, mm -hmm. even if it, whether it's a gym or whatever it might be. Yeah. What are the, some of the things at a high level that you advise them? You know, um, I'd say, you know, first of all, it's really good to have a vision, um, kind of like a guiding North star of, of where you want to take things. It's something that I continue to work on in, in our business and my business. And, uh, you know, I, I think for them, it's just making sure that this is really what they want to do and, and understand that it, it, you really do have to kind of take an all or nothing approach if you really want to make this work. I mean, you see so many, you see the statistics. I mean, so many businesses fail early on and it's either because it wasn't well thought out or maybe it was a person with passion but didn't understand the metrics and how they need to look at the numbers and interpret those things. Um, so I would just really make sure someone has a well thought out plan to an extent and understand that it's going to pivot, understand it's going to change and you're going to, you're going to do different things along the way. Um, but just have a, have an overall overarching vision. Yeah, that's, that's huge. And yeah. so for you then the question I have, uh, as we wrap it up on this section, is, yep. you know, you were willing to make those sacrifices. You were willing mm -hmm. to make those sacrifices very early in life. It's been all or nothing. Like you said, all in on this and building this nonstop. You're just yeah. now starting to strike a balance, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. What can you share with us about what that vision is? Why are you doing this? You know, I think for me, um, you know, in the beginning it was because I wanted to be the best powerlifting coach ever. Like that's, that's what, that's why I started this. I felt like I would be the best powerlifting coach ever. And that's what I wanted to do. And it's, it definitely has changed to more of a, I want to impact as many lives as possible. Um, and I think whether that's, you know, through powerlifting, through community, I mean, that's something where in our business, it's been, um, that's, that's where we, that's, is our vision. We want to change people's lives and we're more than just a barbell. We're building strength through community. Uh, that's what we want. And so for me, it's, it's, it's offering that to those people. It's, it's giving them a place to be that's outside of their normal working space. It's outside of their home, a place where they can be social and interact with people who want to work hard, who want to get sweaty, who want to train, um, but also be around people that they like and want to hang out with. Um, and so that really is kind of my vision when it comes to these things. And um, that's something we've really been able to do as a gym, as a community is we, we definitely connect with our, with our clientele. And it's, we're definitely more than just that client coach relationship. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Cause you know, the next question I was going to ask you is to give me the, the pitch, the elevator pitch on your yeah. business, but you've just given it to me. That was it. Yeah. And I it's mean, it's also intertwined with what you want to do. Hence the passion yep. and doing what you're passionate about. Right. Yeah. And it's one of those things, uh, it comes naturally for us. It's not like a forced relationship. We're not just trying to be that fitness businesses that, that they're just like, oh, okay, we're hosting your holiday party. Come through like once a quarter, whatever this is, right. It's, we do, I mean, we enjoy doing events. I mean, we've done laser tag with, with our clients. We've done, 
um, we do beach bonfires, uh, we'll, we'll just have a social and maybe go to a brewery afterwards. I mean, and it all comes naturally and we're not trying to push it too hard. It's just like, Hey, you know what? We want to hang out with you guys because each and every one of you is someone who we'd want to hang out with and be friends with. Yeah. All right. Let me ask you this question. Yep. I, you know, to me, when you say SoCal powerlifting, that's for the muscle heads, the people that mm -hmm. grunt and lift all these yeah. heavy weights. Tell me what I'm missing as to what else it offers and the type of people that come to your gym. Yeah. So we've really been able to capture like, and to get into it, you know, a niche market of, um, in powerlifting, there's a lot of online programs for free or whatever it is. And, you know, people are going to these globo gyms, uh, and this kind of where it separates us right from these guys, but they go to these globo gyms, these 24 hour fitness, LA fitness, and they're, they're running these online free programs that are okay, you know, but they want that extra layer. They want a program written for them. They want to train in a place that people aren't just sitting on their phones and messed around and taking forever. And that's where we come in. Um, and so what we allow is we write you customized, you know, programming based on you and our clientele are, you know, fairly normal working individuals, people who just want to get stronger, you know, and want a place to do that and a program written for them. That's, mm -hmm. that's the difference there. And so we have coaches that um, are, are willing to work with these people and give them a home where they can, you know, feel welcomed, work out, work hard. And it's not really just the big muscle heads or, you know, the professional powerlifters. We definitely have those people. Um, but I'd say the bulk of it are very normal individuals like you and I. So, but you have an online program as well. So what's different yes. about your online program? So yeah, our online programming, we actually have clients all over. I even have a client in India. Uh, and what it includes is uh, customized programming as well via the app we kind of spoke about earlier called True Coach. So you get your, your programming each day and then you're able to upload video footage of your lifts. So your mm. coach is able to interact with you every single day and give you feedback on, hey, on those squats, let's, let's try to get down a little lower. Let's, let's focus on kind of driving the knees out a little bit more, just little tidbits and cues here and there. And um, kind of check in with you every day, hold you accountable, push you in the right direction and even talk like long-term goals and what you want to accomplish in the next, you know, three, six months, 12 months, et cetera. Right. Um, so we're able to, we're able to do that. Um, and we, we, like I said, we work with people all over. That's wonderful. Yeah. All right. And then, uh, so the online coaching, how do I find out more about that? Yeah. So for our online coaching, you can go to our website at www.socalpowerlifting.net and fill out one of our contact forms. And then we'll be in touch. Uh, we'll set up actually a, a zoom call with you and, and go over kind of the different plans we offer and really how we can help at the end of the day. That's, you know, in any service business, it's how we can help you and find We want to find out if you're a good fit for us and, and how we can make an impact in your life. Yeah. Wonderful. All right. I'm always looking for a book recommendation. So tell me about a book or two that you've read recently. Yeah. So the, the biggest, I'd say the most influential book that I've read, uh, and I read this very, very early on when I actually uh, took over the gym myself was Extreme Ownership. Um, it's by Jocko Willink and Leif Babin, both Navy SEALs. Uh, and this one is good for, you know, that, that entrepreneur who's really starting out, who just wants to take, you know, take it by the reins and go for it. And it just taught me, you know, it taught me leadership. It taught me ownership, of course, and, and really just shaped how I go about things. Um, the other book that really, I'd before recommend. Before you go on, extreme, yeah. is that the one? Because I think this one's been, I have not read it, but this yeah. is. Does he also talk about the importance of building that community around your business, especially in a service type business like yours? So extreme ownership talks. So what he does, they go back and forth between operations overseas and then also business coaching and businesses. And the, he does talk about, it really is leading a team. You know, it's, it's at the end of the day, no matter, um, no matter what happens in the business, whether you're, you're at that, you're in the C-suite or you're, you know, on the floor, um, the guy at the top needs to take ownership. And so if, mm, if I people see. aren't operating to the, to the greatest extent on the floor, 
it all comes down to the guy at the top. It's a trickle-down effect. And so Got it's it. taking ownership, even if you're at the top, of the little things, and it makes those people want to work harder and take ownership of those things too. Got it. All right. Thank you. What's yeah. the next one? The next one would be probably Leaders Eat Last. Um, that one's by Simon Sinek. Um, and I really, be, again, like the leadership stuff is so crucial. Uh, and this one just helped me learn about, you know, as a leader, it's really easy to uh, want to take credit for things or want to, you know, be first in line for things. And it just teaches you that, you know, if you, if you allow your team to be taken care of first, they're going to work that much harder and want to be successful. And ultimately, that, that'll come back for you. Uh, and so that really helped me just develop my own leadership philosophies and how I wanted to run my team. I, I really recommend it to anyone who's kind of either leading a team or trying to scale and add on people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great recommendation. Yeah. Is there an example that comes to mind of that, of how you've implemented that in your business? Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, I, at one point in my business, I had a coach on staff. I mean, that was making more money than I was taking home uh, because I wanted to see them succeed. And I knew that their impact was, you know, direct to, to how we succeed as a business. Um, and I was willing to, I, that made me happy at the end of the day, that made me feel like we were doing the right things. Um, and so, yeah, that, that was definitely one of the points where I was like, look, like I'm investing this person in this person more than I'm investing in like myself at the time. And, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. yeah. And a great example. Yeah. All right. We'll wrap it up here, Zach. What's, what's one thing you want us to take away from this conversation that we've had? We've, we've covered yeah. a lot of things on the yeah. journey that you've been yeah. on, but if there's one thing you want us to walk away from it with, what would it be? You know, at the end of the day, I'm a big believer in kind of creating your own destiny. I think the best gamble you'll ever make is a bet on yourself. And if you believe that you're able to kind of accomplish these things and go out and do it, bet on yourself and get it done. I mean, if you've been having that side hustle idea that you've been messing around with on the side and you're really starting to see other ways you can push it, push it because time is short. Life is short and there's no better time than now. And you're never going to feel ready. So just go for it and bring that plan and, and just go all in, right? And bet, bet on your ability to get it done. And if, if your effort is good, I guarantee you'll succeed. Well said. Uh, where do you want us to go online again to find out more? Yeah, so you can catch my personal um, information. You can look at my Instagram. It's at uh, Bartel Barbell for kind of some business motivational and fitness content there. And then um, for the business, uh, www.socalpowerlifting.net for all coaching inquiries and learning a little bit more about what we do. If you're in Southern California, uh, hit us up. We'd love to talk to you and see maybe how we can help help you in your in your journey. Wonderful, Zach. Um... Great stuff. Very inspirational. Thanks for taking the time to be with me and, and for sharing and being transparent with your journey so far. I appreciate that. Hey, thank you so much. I had, I had a blast. Folks, this is Henry Lopez, and thanks for listening to this episode of The How of Business. My guest today again was Zach Bartel. We release new episodes every Monday morning. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on Spotify, and at our website, thehowofbusiness.com. And remember, you can always just text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 31996 to receive more information. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com. Spin your passion into a business of Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. 
Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.